We got Kevin on the phone. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Sam Levitt here in the studios. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. You know, I've been talking about through uh, through the program just about how, you know, I should say also as we give Kevin a proper introduction here, madfriars.com does a great job covering the Padres minor league system. But, Kevin, you know, I was talking about how important and increasingly important this prospect group really is because of how this roster is shaping up, because of the idea that, some of these guys may have to or may be asked to or maybe given the opportunity to contribute earlier than than maybe we anticipated. So, Kevin, we'll get into some of the individual guys in a moment. I know you're coming out uh, in the next handful of days with um, with a top 30 list of, of Padres minor leaguers. Give me the overall viewpoint you have right now about where this system is at. You know, honestly – it's really encouraging, especially after kind of seeing what happened last year after the Juan Soto trade. I think the consensus was nationally that the Padres essentially gutted their system. And I think the 2022 draft, the draft they had last year, really brought back a lot of the depth. And obviously signing Ethan Solis is a huge part of it too. Um, the, the top 10, even down in like the top 12, 13, is really solid. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of those guys have the opportunity to contribute in the not too distant future. There's a lot of talent in like double A, but you know, I think it's not as deep as maybe it was, you know, when, when Tatis made his debut a few years ago, but I think given the state of where the system was, the narrative was at least last year, um, I'm really, really encouraged by what's, what the Padres have in the system. Yeah. And look, we, we know the big names right now and the guys that, that may be asked to contribute here pretty shortly, depending on what happens in free agency and the trade market and, and everything we're going to talk about in the next six weeks in the lead up to spring training. Let's talk about some of those guys, hypothetically, Kevin, because I think number one, Jackson Merrill, number two, Jacob Marcy are, are sort of right in that mix of guys who could potentially play roles in 2024. Let's start with Jackson Merrill, because what I find interesting, both with Merrill and Marcy, for as good as they've been, as talented as they are, both have had very limited experience at double-A. I mean, even Jackson Merrill, 187 at-bats at double-A, and we know that's a, a, a big development league, a big jump uh, when you go from high-A to double-A. He's also somebody that, you know, has not played much outfield, played a little left field, uh, you know, at double-A last year and, and has primarily been a shortstop. What's your view on Jackson Merrill right now and his potential his potential to contribute to this team potentially sooner rather than later? Your take on Merrill? You know, if the season started in July and, you know, these guys had another, like, half season of seasoning, I, I feel a lot better about it. I think what you said is, you, you hit the nail on the head where they just, you know, him, you know, and, and Marcy specifically um, just haven't really had the experience. I think last year was really the, you know, his first year that he, that he's in Elsinore, he only played in 55 games, totally had a wrist injury. So really last year was the first season he played over a hundred games as a professional. I um, mean, he only, he only played at 46 of those in, in San Antonio. So I think, you know, could he hold his own? Honestly? Yeah, I, I think he could. He's, he's going to be 21 years old. The one thing that impressed me, one of my favorite statistics to look at when you're looking at prospects is his strikeout rate. And in double A, he actually lowered that to, to 11%, which wow. is really, really low. So I think 
I think he could go out there. Um, the defensive portion of it would be where, where my main concern would be because he just hasn't played out there a lot. He's certainly athletic enough to do it, and I think if they gave him the spring, and you know, I'm not sure what he's doing in the offseason, but he's only played five games out there in his, in his career. So I think having him be asked to be the everyday left fielder would be a stretch, but I think he could definitely do it, and I think the bat would play. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the 25-30 homer bat that you dream of, but I think he could go out there and, and give you solid at-bats and, and you know, be a, an important part of the order. Yeah, it, it would almost be surprising if he, in spring training, were not playing the outfield at least a lot, if not almost exclusively, based on this team's need and and his potential to, to you know, me. I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. Somebody like a top prospect that we've certainly seen it before breaking camp with the team. Obviously, there are, are circumstances around it based on who was on this roster and, and what, uh, you know, a position like left field looks like in, in the Padres' comfort with Merrill in left field. One guy that continues to shoot up these prospect rankings and continues to get talked about. And, you know, the people I talk to, hearing from A.J. Preller on him, Kevin, Jacob Marcy, I mean, it really seems like the Padres have extremely high hopes for him, perhaps believe he can contribute this season in 2024. It's similar to Merrill in the sense that he's had very, very limited experience at AA. He had 56 at-bats there in San Antonio this past year. But then he goes to the Arizona Fall League, and he was tremendous. And all of a sudden, I, I think for, for a lot of people, they're they're looking at him as one of the outfielders of the future for this organization. Your take on Jacob Marcy, what he's accomplished really in the past year. Yeah, he's someone that um, I saw him last year in 2022 when he was in Lake Elsinore, kind of at the end of the season. And he was he looked good, but he wasn't necessarily anybody that stood out. I think when he was drafted, if you read the scouting reports on them from people that cover the, the you know the draft better than we do, uh, a lot of it was that he doesn't necessarily have that one loud tool, but he's kind of was more or less what I saw you know when I saw him last year. But I think this year in 2023. The big difference is he showed a lot more power than mm. I thought he would hit for. He hit 13 home runs in, in Fort Wayne, and it's not the easiest place to hit. To hit. I mean, the Midwest League generally suppresses offensive numbers, and so he finished third in the league there with um, you know the WRC plus. He's you know 42% above league average, so that's a tremendous thing for a guy in his first player in that league to hit that well. Um, he's got tremendous speeding. You know, he defensively he could go out there and he could play center field. You you wouldn't miss a beat. You know, kind of right. going from Trent Grisham to him. I think the question, like you said, is you know he's played less than twenty games in Double A, and so I think again asking somebody, you know, he's a college player, so he has that advantage. You know, he's not somebody that they drafted at eighteen; they drafted at twenty one. So I think could he win the job in, in spring? I think that would be a best case scenario if he just went out and kind of stole the job. I mean, there is precedent for that with kind of CJ Abrams a few years ago. And obviously Fernando back in, in 2019, I believe was his rookie year. So um, I, I think there's an opportunity for him. I, I personally, you know, you know, again, coming from a reporter standpoint, not a scout standpoint, I definitely think he could use a little bit more sure. time in double A. But I think in a pinch, at least defensively, he's going to give you a, a really – he's going to play a really solid center field. The question is whether he'll hit enough. You know, the encouraging part about it is his OPS in 20 – you know, I believe it was like less than 20 games, but it was higher in, in San Antonio. 
I was like 858. So he showed that he could hit. And obviously, like you said, that the work he did in the Arizona Fall League is impressive. Right. So I think he's someone that has an opportunity, but I definitely think could benefit from at least another half year in the minors. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see with those two guys in particular, Merrill and Marcy, what's expected of, of them in spring training and, and potentially beyond. Kevin, another guy that fits in this category that I know you, you have highly ranked in the top 30 coming out is Graham Pauly, who I've spoken to people again that think really, really highly of him. And you look at the numbers between low A, high A, and double A in 2023, 308 batting average, 931 OPS, 23 home runs, 94 RBIs. But again, similar to Merrill and Marcy, he's had very, very limited experience at double A. Your your take on on Graham Pauly and, and where he fits right now in the organization. You know, Paulie is probably one of the more interesting guys in the system because when I saw him when he made his pro debut with Lake Elsinore in 2022, I thought I was looking at a big leaguer. Uh, now, when I when I say that, I, I meant more of like a, a Matt Batten, like the utility role. I didn't necessarily think we were looking at a guy that was going to be a, a major piece of the future. But the thing he did last year is, you know, he played basically the half season in Lake Elsinore, hit four home runs, but, you know, hits a lot of average. So, okay, like the guy's got a solid hit tool, doesn't strike out a lot, draws walks. And then he went to Fort Wayne and turned into basically like turned into Shohei Otani. He mm-hmm. like getting 16 home runs in 46 games. Wow. And then went to San Antonio, hit some more, hit five in the Arizona Fall League. And so he changed his swing a little bit to generate more loft. Um, and I think that's a game changer. I mean, for him in his first full pro season between the two levels, or really the three levels, he was a 2020 guy. So he had 23 homers, 20 steals, can play second, can play third. And I think that the two things that Marcy and Paulie bring that the Padres really, really need is a left-handed bat. And right. so they're both left-handed hitters. And so I think for Paulie, um, just because of his positional flexibility, I think that he could maybe fit more as a utility guy. I, I, I ranked him fifth. I ranked Marcy sixth in my system, mm. uh, in, in my in the system in my in my write up because I just feel like Paulie is a little bit closer to being big league ready. Um, he's a little bit older, but yeah, I think that the power. I mean, he, he hit nine home runs his, his last year at Duke, and so it really wasn't. We didn't. I don't think there's anything to see that you know he's going to develop into this type of power bat that he has, but. I think the positional flexibility he offers is he's going to be a really interesting guy for the Padres in the future. Cause you know, like you said, you know, with the payroll limitations that may or may not be there, right. having controllable talent that can contribute is going to be massive. And I think he'll be a big part of their future. Kevin charity joining us from madfriars.com. They do a great job covering the Padres minor league system. A lot of good insight here, Kevin, on some of these minor league prospects who again are, are increasingly important, not just to the future of the team, yeah. but potentially really soon here in 2024. Let's talk a little bit about the pitching. One name we continue to hear about, about is Robbie Snelling. And and I'll tell you, Kevin, as somebody who didn't follow Snelling's day-to-day this past season, I'd heard how good he was, and I look at the numbers, 182 ERA from low A, high A, and double A, made 22 starts. And, you know, if you just look at his numbers from this past year and where he's been and the fact that he finished at double A, kind of start thinking, well, there might be a pretty good chance this guy is, is up at some point this year, maybe, right? The fact that he was already at double A by the end of last year. And then I go and look and he, he just turned 20. So yeah. um, your view on Snelling and how quickly the Padres may move him, because to me, for a high school arm 
to be at double A in his first pro year and also have the kind of success he he experienced last year, it would almost seem to me like he could be a unique guy who who goes from high school to the big leagues pretty quickly based on what he's doing. No, I, I would agree with that. I think the thing with Snelling that is um, that's the most interesting is that you know he he's a he's a, a dual sport athlete, but his pro debut couldn't have gone any better. Um, I think for a high school pitcher, one of the things that stood out to me um, is everybody talked in the organization raised about his maturity, but I talked to um, Austin Cobb earlier in the season, um, who was with Lake Elsinore and is a, a pretty good prospect in Vernon, who's three years older than him. And he specifically talked about Robbie Snelling, how much he like looked up to him and admired him and was like a, an example of, of how to be a professional. I think that was a really telling quote. Uh, for somebody who's three years older, and this is a guy that was essentially was in high school the year before that. But I think his maturity that he brings, the poise that he brings, um, is really remarkable for a 20-year-old. I think anybody that you um, talk to and, and they, they talk about him will tell you this, this is not like a typical 20-year-old. And I think his stuff isn't isn't big time where it's, you know, it's not like he's out there throwing 100 miles an hour right. with a wicked breaking ball. but. You know, one of the things that I really like when I enjoy watching him pitch is, you know, he'll sit middle, you know, low 90s, 93, 94. And then when he needs that strikeout with two strikes, he'll, he'll reel back and he'll, he'll hit 95, 96. Um, he's got a really great curveball. Um, I, I think he definitely is another guy that needs a little bit more seasoning. Right. But, you know, he just turned 20. And it wouldn't be surprising if he has big league innings next year. Um, I, I think, you know, the Padres obviously need controllable arms. And I think the depth that they have in double A is, is very, very encouraging, mm. especially kind of where this organization was just a year ago, where it's kind of like who, who's in the system that can contribute. Um, you know, he's a, he's a quality pitcher. Um, and I think if we're doing this list on floor as who has the highest floor in the system, I think it's Robbie Snelling. I think mm. he'll definitely be a big league pitcher. I think he's got a chance to be a front of the rotation type of guy. Mm, interesting, right there. Again, we're joining by uh, we're joined by Kevin Charity from MadFriars.com talking about the Padres minor league system. Some of these top prospects that may have an impact in 2024. Uh, Kevin, let's stay on the pitching for a second and talk about Jairo Ariarte because he's also a, a young guy. He's 22 years old out of Venezuela. He, he'll enter his fourth pro season here in the U.S. This year, he was here 2021, was at Lake Elsinore for a little bit, 2022, all at Lake Elsinore, 2023, was at Fort Wayne and, and did finish the year at San Antonio. And another guy that is very, very highly regarded and, and may also fall in that category of somebody that we could see here by the end of the year. Your thoughts on, on Iriarte and how he continues to progress? Yeah, he's got the best chance, I would say, of any of the guys we've talked about just because he's on the 40-man roster. So he has that kind of inherent advantage um, since they added him to protect him from the Rule 5 draft, he certainly would have been taken. But for Iriarte, um, the thing that's really jumped out is last year he had a really nice um, spike in his velocity where uh, in, in Lake Elsinore in 2022, he struggled at times, you know, 92 to 94, but you could kind of see just the way he's built um, – there was a little bit more in the tank and he definitely put on some weight going into to last year. And, and, and when he was in Fort Wayne and, you know, the, the fastball was up, you know, the 94 to 96, um, you know, he's got um, you know, a great slider. He's got a change up. He doesn't use too much, but the slider is a legitimate like strikeout that wipeout pitch that, you know, you hear about. I think my, there's a couple of concerns with Iriarte. It's that in both the last two seasons, he's only thrown about 90 innings. Mm-hmm. So I think, 
having him come in as a starting pitcher and expecting him to work, you know, 130, 140 innings might be a stretch. Um, last year they moved him into the bullpen in double A and, you know, he averaged 15 strikeouts per nine innings in double A. He actually increased it with, with the missions, uh, which is certainly impressive. The issue with him is command sometimes can be spotty. Um, I think there's definitely an opportunity for him to, to be a starter, but I, I really think if he was deployed in the bullpen and could just kind of, he could be that back of the inning, the back of the bullpen type of guy that mm. pitches the eighth or ninth innings. Um, you know, I, I, I think you're going to give him the chance to start until he proves he can't, but if he doesn't, you got a heck of a weapon um, that, you know, throws up or he can hit upper nineties, you know, he hit 98 a few times last year. Wow. So I think he's someone that definitely, has a really good shot at contributing to the big league roster next year. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, Snelling, Ariarte, very highly regarded. Kevin, let's finish with uh, the guy who I, I think creates the most headlines in the system, even though he's 17, and that's Ethan Salas, who uh, was signed around this time um, about a year ago, uh, you know, impressed so much at spring training, and then goes his first season in the minor leagues and, and the Padres were really, really aggressive. They start him in the complex and then he's, he ends up going to low A Lake Elsinore. He gets moved up to high A and then all of a sudden he ends up getting 28 at bats at double A. And, you know, Dennis Lynn wrote it in the athletic uh, over the holiday break that there's been buzz about a potential big league debut before the end of 2024 for Ethan Salas. And, and, you know, at 17 years old, uh, that that's, I mean, that would be, I don't want to say crazy, but it would be eye-popping, right, to see somebody like that uh, get signed and, and get to the major leagues that quickly. A, a two-part question on Salas. Your thoughts on his first season? He's so highly touted. Um, but also, do you think that's that's at all realistic, the idea that he would debut in the major leagues at some point this year? Um, I wouldn't say it's unrealistic. I think the organization clearly is, is high on him. Right. You know, what I saw from him is that, you know, he had a one kind of poor month in Lake Elsinore, which is not to be unexpected given his age. And then he had a one really good month. And the thing is, is I felt like they were easing him in because they were catching it. He'd catch and then DH. He didn't really catch two days in a row or three days in a row. He's just kind of, you know, catch DH and then would usually get a day off during the week. And so it really felt, okay, they're going to kind of, you know, keep him in Lake Elsinore maybe next year with an eye on Fort Wayne, which, you know, going into your age 17 season and, and, and high A is still a pretty good achievement. And, you know, they obviously see something in him that, you know, merited the, the promotion. We didn't really get to see the full um, effect of it because he, he had a knee injury at the end of the end of the year. But I, I think, you know, the, the hit tool is there. He's got a smooth left-handed swing. You know, there's potential for him to be maybe the best offensive hitting catcher, you know, in the in baseball, the mm -hmm. left-handed swing, you know, that left-handed, you know, kind of, you know, the, I think there's like Joe Maurer comps on him, and, you know, he, he, he's definitely smooth. I think the thing with him is just he needs to get as much playing time as possible. And so, you know, I kind of thought, you know, my opinion was that maybe they could have just left him in, in one spot and kind of right. let him ease into things. But I think the organization has a better assessment of, of where he's at and, and the player he is than I do. So I think based on what I've heard too, and I've heard a lot of the same things that you have, I don't think it would be crazy that he's in the big leagues next year. Um, you know, obviously with Capisani, you feel like he'll be able to hold that position right. down and give him time. But 
you know, if, if you need another left-handed bat and, you know, he's just clearly showing that he's ready, I don't, I, I, I would say it's doubtful. I'd say more 2025 when he's 19 years old, but you never know. I think that the, the organization clearly really high on his talent. I it would not surprise me at all to see him in the big leagues, you know, August or September next year. Yeah. And I'm excited to see him at spring training and I'm sure he's going to play quite a bit uh, during the Cactus League games and, and intrigued to see what the Padres do decide to do with him this year because I, I think for as much you know potential buzz as, as there would be around the 2020 uh, excuse me a 2024 debut um you could make the argument Kevin Wright that that you know having him at double a for the majority of the year playing day in day out catching almost every day uh would be maybe the most prudent thing so we'll see what happens with Ethan Salas Kevin this was great excellent insight on all these different prospects it's it's a really important time for this minor league group for so many reasons and uh it's an exciting group too so uh Kevin before you go uh what's the plan as far as your top 30 when when is that coming out and, and what else can we expect over at Mad Friars yeah, so I mean the top thirty is is ready to go, so it should be out in the next day or two. Um, you know, a lot of it is right now. We have some prospect lists that are coming out as we get into spring training, and then once spring training opens, we should have our cumulative top twenty, uh, which is kind of all of us taking all our lists into account, and we'll have some conversations about that. And that's free for everybody to read. Um, so I think that's a really good source. I think honestly, you know, you don't need to know every player in the system like we do, but if you know you're the top 20 and like you said, focusing on the guy on the guys that are going to be able to contribute uh, in the big leagues, the next few years, I think that those are the, those are the people mm-hmm. that you want to look after for sure. But yeah, um, it's a, it's a really fun system to follow. And I think, I would encourage people to take interest in it because I think it's going to play a really big role in this team's future. Absolutely. Kevin Charity from madfriars.com. Kevin, happy new year to you. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yeah. Anytime. Thanks, Sam.